I got the notes out late. We were having uh, some computer issues. So uh, if you can't get to them now, they are there for you. But uh, on page one, it's uh, the next step I want to take in restoring or reestablishing this doctrine of Christ is I want to talk to you today uh, about Jesus being a man. Now, it was a couple of weeks ago the Lord started dealing with my spirit. A lot of you know I pulled back in a time of prayer and seeking God and asking God for direction. Since God has given us the prophecy on the 8th of March that He is doing a course correction in the church, and I fully believe it because everything in the church from where God established it in the book of Acts is off course and it's out of order. But the Lord, I was listening to my Bible. It's probably been two or three weeks ago now. or may, I don't know. It may have been last week. I've listened to so much and read so much. Sometimes I forget the dates and the times that the Lord really puts things in my spirit. But I was listening to Joshua, the fifth chapter, and the children of Israel crossed over Jordan. And they ate of the uh, corn, the corn that they had with them. Uh, and then it said, and the manna ceased. And when the word said that, the Lord spoke into my spirit. He said, this old order that my people have been under has come to an end. And I'm taking my people in to a new order and a new move of my spirit. So God is taking us now into a new move of his Spirit, He's bringing in a course correction. And for those that are hungry and have a desire to enter into a working of the Spirit, we are going into a restoring of a Book of Acts move of the Holy Ghost. And then we're going beyond what we read about in the Book of Acts. But for you to come into this and understand this, there are basic truths that you've got to come to a knowledge and revelation of about the Word of God and about Jesus. And like I taught last week, how He became the Christ and how that the Lord told me in uh, 2013 that the Holy Ghost He was sending back was going to be the full resurrected power of the Christ mixed with the humanity of man. And... People need to understand these things because there's so many things being taught and so much teaching out there uh, that people don't even understand what the Holy Ghost is, how it works, how it operates. And so we covered that last week. And I hope you come to an understanding of it. If you didn't, you can always contact me. And I've asked people to contact me with questions. And those of you that... Uh, want to call me, you can call me, but contact me with your questions. Contact me, you know, uh, what you don't understand. But I want to go forward today with uh, the knowledge that Jesus was a man. Now, I, I've written on page one, if you have your Bible notes, said so you've got to uh, the next step I want to take in restoring the doctrine of Christ is to establish that Jesus was a man. That being said, you've got to come to the realization that he was made just like us. I believe this ever since I accepted Jesus as the Lord of my life and not just as Savior. Many people accept him as Savior 
but they do not allow him to become Lord of their life. The next scripture will reveal what God started putting in my spirit nearly 50 years ago. The battle I've had maintaining this position is well learning to believe what the Lord has placed in my life over these years. Uh, I've never seen or heard so many off-the-wall doctrines and teachings about Jesus as to who He was and what He was. Many people will confess that Jesus was 100% man, that He could sin, but then they will turn around in the next breath and contradict what they just said by saying that He was 100% God and He couldn't sin. Well, you can't have things both ways. I mean, you can't preach a doctrine that said Jesus was 100% man, that He could sin, and then turn around in the next breath and say, well, He's 100% God and He couldn't sin. Those statements totally contradict each other, and it's just man's doctrine in, in man's way of trying to explain uh, who Jesus was, and they, they have no knowledge of who He was, and that is complete spiritual ignorance that he, he, he could be both. You can't say he could sin and then turn around and say he couldn't sin. So I'm not going to tell you that Jesus was a man and that he was made just like us and that he faced every temptation that we faced and that he could have sinned and then tell you that he was made different from us and because of that difference that he couldn't have sinned. My stance is that he was a man and that he still is a man and this will not line up with what you've been taught, but it will line up with the Word of God. So all I want the Lord to do is reveal Himself to us and open our understanding to this knowledge and this fact that Jesus was a man. And so uh, the first thing I want to do here at the bottom of page one is deal with the word conceived. And that is from the New Testament, Strong's Concordance, number 4815 is conceived. And you go on down through these uh, definitions, and it says to conceive literally or figuratively. So, and in Luke one thirty one, the angel was talking to Mary, and he said, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Matthew 1 and 20, this was Joseph uh, was having a dream that the Lord brought to him. And it says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And Galatians 4, 4 through 5, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. In verse 5, it says, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of, son, of, of sons. These three scriptures show you that Jesus was conceived in the womb of a woman as a natural flesh and blood child and grew and developed just like any other child. And that was because He was just like any other child according to the way he was conceived and brought forth. In Luke 2 and 40, it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. Now, this is not that Jesus waxed strong in the Spirit of God. That's the way people 
interpret this, but he waxed strong in spirit. He waxed strong in conviction, in character, in integrity, and in understanding and wisdom of the Word of God because his mother taught him. That was her responsibility was to teach him of the things of God. And the Spirit of God dealt with him from the time he was old enough to come to understanding of who he was and what he was and what he would become. That's the only difference between us and Jesus. The Father dealt with him and he knew his purpose. He knew his mission. He knew what he was called and ordained to do, but there was no special power and authority given to Jesus to overcome sin or to overcome the devil before he received the Holy Ghost. And that's why he was made just like us. He was made just like us. And you've got to understand this. Uh, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, the Lord of glory, God searched for thousands of years to find a bloodline to bring His Son into the world. And through that bloodline, He found the qualifications that He was looking for. And He found them in David in Acts 13, 22 and 23. And when He had removed him, this is talking about Saul, when God had removed Saul from being king over Israel, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised up unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. So through the lineage of David, he set forth to bring his holy child Jesus into the world. So now ask yourself a question here. If everything that Jesus needed or everything he was going to accomplish in this world was to come from the Spirit of God, then why did God search for all those years to find a fleshly seed which had integrity and obedience and one that desired to please God? It's because Jesus was a man. He was a body he was a tabernacle. He was a temple that God brought forth that he would eventually live in in the fullness. He didn't, Jesus didn't come that way. He did not come in the fullness of God. He did not receive the fullness of God when he was baptized in the river of Jordan. He was a man made like me and you. You need to get this in your spirit. Because there's no scripture that you can find that Jesus was made any different than what we are and how we were made and how we were brought forth. Now, in Romans 1, the third verse and the fourth verse, it says this, Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. That tells you right there. He came through the lineage of David, but he was come forth in that seed according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now, if you go to Hebrews, the second chapter, and the 14th verse, it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, 
He also likewise, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. This ain't talking about physical death, it's talking about spiritual death. And deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Every man before Jesus came did not know and understand where his soul was going to spend eternity. Therefore, he feared not only that natural death, but by that spiritual death being in limbo, he, had, he held people in bondage because they didn't know what was going to happen to their soul. There was no promise of eternal life until Jesus came. And in verse 16, it says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brother, that he might be a merciful and faithful and high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, and that word succor means to help them that are tempted. Okay, the scripture goes on. And continues to declare that he came made in our likeness, and he came made just like us, and that includes the sin nature that man has. And people don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear that Jesus battled the sin nature and he battled the carnal mind. But now, in Romans 8, and the second through the fourth verse, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now you stop right there. What does that mean when He said, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh? That means He came, made just like us, and He battled that sin nature because God made Him in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he made him for sin, that he might condemn or destroy or conquer or overcome sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In Philippians 2 and 7 and 8, it says, But made of himself... No reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of, cross, of the cross. People don't want to hear that Jesus was a man. And the church don't want you to know that Jesus was a man and that he was tempted in all points like as you are. And that he could have sinned, but he chose to submit himself to the Father, to the mind, the will, the purpose of the Father. And he chose to live by the Word of God and not give himself over to the lust of the flesh or the will of the flesh. And this is why that the church is not going to preach that Jesus could have sinned is because when you do, it makes it easy. When you come to the knowledge that Jesus was a man 
and that he could have sinned. It levels the playing field, and people will people want to make that separation. Well, Jesus was above us; he was higher than we were. He he couldn't have sinned, and I can't reach that place. Now, all you're doing is giving yourself a license to sin. And that's what God don't want. He does not want any of you to get the idea that it's okay for you to sin. Because if you look at the Word of God, and I don't have this scripture in here, but you can write it down. It's in the first epistle of John, and it's the second chapter, and the very first verse, and this is what John said, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. It's not God's will for you to sin a little more or less every day. And that's the, that's the thing that runs among Christians. Well, I, I, I can't come to that place that I can't sin. Yes, you can. The Lord is not going to tell you to do something that you cannot do or you cannot accomplish. And right here... John wrote in the uh, first epistle of John, the second chapter, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation or the forgiveness for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So there is provision made in there if you do sin that you can get forgiveness. But it is God's will that you do not sin. That you labor in prayer and study and practicing the Word of God that you can destroy the carnal mind and slay the carnal mind that you do not sin. Because man is governed by the carnal mind and Jesus fought against it. He would not submit the carnal mind. He would not submit to the lust and temptations that came to his flesh. Although they were there, he stood against them and refused to yield to the temptation, refused to yield to the thoughts and desires of the carnal mind. And you and I have the same opportunity and we have the same ability. So we need to quit making excuses that Jesus was different. I mean, when I first got saved, people like to drove me crazy because I would read something in the Bible and I would go to them and I would ask them because I believe we can be like Jesus right here on this earth. I believe that as he walked, we can walk. I believe that. I believe that for nearly 50 years. I have made a, uh, uh, it's one of my goals. I strive for it. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting closer than I was this time last year. You have got to understand that Jesus was made like us so that we can be made like Him right here on this earth. Everything, and the church teaches that everything you're going to get to be made like Jesus is going to be up in heaven. No, that's not going to happen. You have got to obtain this down here. If you don't obtain it down here, you're not going to obtain it up there. So, uh, He was made different. But he didn't have any special power over sin, over sickness or disease or anything until he received the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, when Jesus was baptized and he come up out of that water, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost appeared to him in the form of a dove and sat upon him and it remained upon him. 
And that was so John would know that this was he that would baptize with the Holy Ghost. But the Lord also spoke out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus hadn't preached his first sermon. He hadn't had one miracle. He hadn't done one thing to fulfill his ministry or even step into his ministry. But what was it then that pleased the Father? These, this isn't in the notes. What was it then that God spoke to him and said, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased? It was because he had submitted himself all his life to that point to pleasing the Father. It was his dedication, it was his desire, it was his heart's focus and purpose to fulfill the will of God. He come from that lineage of David where he was a man that loved God with all of his heart. And that's what God saw in David. That's the reason he brought Jesus through that lineage of David was because that desire was placed in David that he was a man that was after the heart of God. Well, that's what Jesus took from that lineage. He was a man that was after the heart of God. Now, if we look in uh, on page 4, it, it, and if you don't come to the knowledge that Jesus was made like us, that you could become like Him, you might as well quit right now. Because if you listen... But if you will listen to what I'm saying and come to understand that Jesus was a man and that he was tempted by the carnal mind and the lust of the flesh and he faced every temptation that you and I face, but he overcame this, those temptations and didn't sin. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Any of you out there, uh, you've got to understand that Jesus was tempted in all points just like we are. And it wasn't the Spirit of God in Him that was tempted. God can't be tempted and He tempteth no man with evil so you've got to understand that it was the natural man. It was the seed of David according to the flesh that Satan came to that he tempted him as a man. Not as a God, but as a man he tempted him in every point that you and I can be tempted. But yet Jesus refused to yield to the lust of the flesh. He refused to let it conceive in his spirit. He, he kept God's Word in his heart. He stayed in prayer. He stayed submitted. He stayed dedicated. And he stayed sold out to the very heart and purpose and will of God that God created in him and brought him forth to do. Now, if you look at John 16 and 33, it says, These things, this is Jesus talking, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In these scriptures, Jesus admonishes his disciples and tells them 
that he has overcome the world. Okay, so what does this mean when he says that he has overcome the world? Now, if you go to 1 John, the second chapter in the 15th and 16th verse, it reads like this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is not of the Father, but is of the world. And these are the things that Jesus overcame. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin comes when you yield to temptation. So we see here in the Gospel of John 16 and 33, Jesus says that I be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And then in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, it tells us all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. None of these things are from the Father. But all these things are of the world. So Jesus said, I overcame them. And that is exactly the things that the carnal man and the carnal mind wars against us with today is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. None of these things are of the Father. None of these things come from the Father. So we've got to recognize this is the battle that we fight. I'm not fighting against Satan and all the uh, powers and forces. and I, I'm not doing that. My battle is with the carnal mind and with the carnal man. That's where my battle is because this is how Satan gets inroads into your life every day. Now let me go on with the Scriptures. This is the bottom of page 4. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when, he, then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it was finished, bringeth forth death. If he came to be our example then he had to be made just like us. It wouldn't be fair for us to teach a Jesus that came to this earth as our example and that we're supposed to follow in his steps and do as he did, but yet teach he already had the power over all power of Satan. That's wrong teaching. And it's caused many people to give up and quit and refuse to serve God because they couldn't overcome the things they were facing. You can't teach people that they can overcome sin in the flesh unless you first give them the example that someone has already done this and that we were made and that he was made just like them. In 1 Peter 2, 20 and 22, uh, verse 20, For what glory is it? When ye are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if, but if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps who did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth. 
He battled the sin nature and the carnal mind every day of his life that he walked upon this earth. The only difference was that he submitted himself completely to the will of the Father and he brought his mind and his will under complete control of the Spirit of God. He stayed in prayer and all his actions were governed by the working of the Spirit of God in his life. And he lived as Paul taught us to live in Galatians 5, 16. He said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm about halfway down on page 5. We've been given the instruction on how to overcome, and we have an understanding of how to do what needs to be done but because there are certain areas of our lives that we enjoy and find pleasure in doing these things, we are only willing to go so far with God. And therein this starts the warfare that most of us live in all the days of our life. This is brought in the teaching that man cannot overcome sin and that he can't be like Jesus as long as he walks on this earth, but that he becomes like Jesus once he goes to heaven. That's one of the biggest lies Satan ever hatched out of the pits of hell. And there isn't any truth to it. It just makes sinning a little easier. In other words, it eases people's conscience when they sin because they don't believe they can be like Jesus. And this is the one thing that the hierarchy of the church and, and theology is taught. They don't want you to know that you can be like Jesus and that you can conquer Sin in the flesh as a man with the Spirit of the Christ living in you. In Galatians 5, 17, it says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The devil don't want you gaining this wisdom and understanding of power, because once you do, he's totally overcome. He's totally overcome. Uh, but on page 6, for those of us that make a choice to walk in the Spirit and totally surrender to His will, we can overcome this sin nature in the flesh because He did it as a man. Ephesians two fourteen and 16. For He is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the enemy, the opposition, he abolished it in his flesh, even the law of carnal commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. This is what I was trying to show you last week, how that Jesus became the Christ. He overcame sin in the flesh and submitted himself to the will of the Father, became our sin sacrifice, and made a new and a living way so we could be restored back to the place where God created us in the beginning. We don't have to pay the price. The price has already been paid. If you don't understand that Jesus came to be made like us to show us the way back to the Father, then we can never have the hope to make like Him on this earth. This is my goal and my hope and my prayer for you is that you can see the revelation of this mystery and lay hold on eternal life. 
I refuse to be a lukewarm Christian fighting against all the forces and powers every day of my life. Satan has been destroyed and defeated. It's up to you to follow the example that Jesus set and overcome the carnal mind. The carnal mind is Satan's weapon against you. It's simply learning to put into action the things which we've been taught. Satan gets entrance into your life through the carnal mind, through your emotions. He is destroyed and defeated to the believer. The Bible plainly tells you in 1 John 3 and 8 that the devil, that he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. But for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil has been rendered idle and powerless through the believer that comes to this revelation and understanding that I started showing you last week and this week that the very Spirit of the Christ can take its abode in you and once it does, the victory and authority and dominion to conquer Satan has been placed in you. It's not a price that you have to pay. He paid the price. He destroyed Satan. He defeated him as a man, and he brought the natural man and the spirit man together in one new man to conquer and overcome and live a life above sin. And you can live in total dominion and authority and power of the Christ living in you. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. You've got to know that Jesus has conquered and overcome Satan, and he's rendered him powerless. And he's taken back the keys of hell and death. Satan has no power against those who come to the knowledge of this revelation. So, we've got to come to this knowledge. I'm not telling you that just me speaking it to you. You're going to get it. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to ask for understanding and wisdom. But to those of you that come to the knowledge of last week and this week, and the things that God is going to teach us, you are coming to the understanding that God is bringing back the revelation and the power and the authority that He gave the church in the book of Acts. This is why we're preparing. This is why this prayer every night is so important for people to come together in prayer and seek the face of God. The Lord told us back on the 1st of February, he said, come together and pray for our nation, that God would bless our leaders, that God would uh, lead us into a quiet and peaceable life. Then he told us uh, that a door has been opened to the Gentiles. God has laid the foundation for a door to be opened to the Gentiles, but before he will let us go into them, we have to have something that is going to witness and testify that the God we serve is real. You are His witnesses. You are the vessel that God is going to testify through that there is a living Christ that lives in you that has power over every situation. You are chosen witnesses. God is not preaching this to everyone. God is preaching this to chosen witnesses just like he did when he walked this earth. He chose 12 disciples. And then on that uh, experience in the upper room when he sent 
his spirit and his nature back to live in them. There was another, uh, what, 112 that he chose to make uh, leaders, to give them gifts, to give them wisdom and understanding. So there are chosen vessels that are hearing this word, but you've got to know that God's not going to send you among Gentiles or heathen until you have a witness of the Christ being made manifest and revealed in you. It would be pointless. There are Lord's many and there are God's many. But there is not in every one of us the revelation of a true and a living God that lives and reveals Himself in you. It's like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. He said, when I came to you, I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in fear and trembling, and I came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God, that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There's a lot of people confess God's real. There's a lot of people confess miracles are real. But where is the people that has the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God being made manifest in their lives? This is what God's looking for. God is looking for a seed. He's preparing a seed that is going to obey His voice and it is going to be yielded to the working of His Spirit And when he finds these people, which he's bringing together now, he is going to baptize us in the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire and restore the same working of the Spirit of the Christ that fell in the early church on the day of Pentecost. It's going to put back the foundation. It's going to put back the order. It's going to put back the principles and the governments of the working of the Spirit of God, and we cannot move forward without we come to understanding of who Christ is and what He's doing and how He has set everything in motion to restore the church. So, uh, this covers what the Lord gave me for today. It may be short teaching, but these pages are power-packed. And you have got to... uh, Give yourself to prayer and study of the Word. We have got too many things distracting us in our natural life. And I don't know how many people joined in today. I've not paid attention, but I know that God is trying to get people's attention. You know, uh, I can't remember. I think it was, was it 2007? We're sitting on the front porch. Lisa and I were sitting on the front porch and we was talking and I was talking about Jesus. And she just... Kind of looked at me and said, well, she, she said, was it 2009? She said, well, if I was the son of God and had power over all the devils and could, you know, overcome any sin or temptation, she said, that'd be easy. And I said, what are you talking about? And she began to relate to me, uh, you know, it's been taught to people that when Jesus came to this earth, he came in all authority and power of heaven, and he already had power over the devil. That's a lie. That is a lie in its damnable teaching because Jesus couldn't have come that way and been our example. He had to come being made just like me and you. He had to be made just like me and you and teach us how 
that we could overcome and conquer sin and rise above this sin nature. He had to do that to show us the way back to the Father. That's why in John 14 he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man cometh the Father except he come by me. There's many scriptures like this that people have taken and preached for salvation. That has nothing to do with salvation. That is being reconciled back to God. That is learning how to overcome sin. That is learning how to conquer the carnal man and the carnal mind because Jesus is the way. He is the truth and He is the life. And in that life is light and you need to be brought back to the Father, brought back to the working of the Spirit of God uh, that can lead you back to that place that God created man in the beginning. So that is basically the teaching today. You know, I asked last week for questions. Uh, didn't get any questions. I know that you did not understand all that I taught last week. And you need to submit questions. This is a uh, I wish we had it more interactive, and I'm working on a way to get the Bible study more interactive. I don't know, uh, you know, what your responsibilities are. Some of you can uh, be open to a video conference or not. Or join the conference. But we're working on that. We're working on getting it to the place. Uh, that we can uh, maybe have a video conference, be able to ask questions back and forth. I would prefer that more than me just teaching. It would be better for you to be able to ask questions at the time. But if you have questions, send it to us in an email. Uh, get your questions to me. Those of you that know how to contact me, you can call me. Uh, you can ask questions because I want you to learn. It's not going to do any. It's not going to do any good for me to do all this teaching and uh, put all these scriptures out here if you're not understanding and getting a handle uh, and coming to understand and learn what God is wanting to reveal to us. But I'm uh, doing my best to take you back to the beginning of the church. Back to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and get you prepared for what God is going to reveal in you. So, uh, please get in touch with me. Please send us your questions. Please keep us in your prayers. Uh, probably another week or so and I'm going to be going back to the church in L&J somewhere in the next couple of weeks. So, we need your prayers. We need your financial support. We need you to help us. Hold up our hands. In this time when we're seeking God, and I'm fixing to dismiss uh, from the Bible study, so please let us hear from you. Let us know what this Bible study is doing for you and what it means to you. So let's go to prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I've declared your word. I am bringing forth, Lord, the mysteries and the wisdom and the understanding that you put in me that has helped me in my relationship with you and my walk with you. God, all I can pray is, Lord, give them eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And may God bless every one of you.
And we want to hear from you, but keep us in your prayers. And may God bless you till our next Bible study.